Welcome, everyone, to a brand new episode of Talking Movies with Sam and Raj. I'm one of your co-hosts, Rod Sandy. And I'm your other co-host, Sam. Thank you for joining us. Um, if you usually listen to the podcast, what we regularly do on this show is we talk about all things Hollywood. We'll talk about news. We'll talk about reviews. Um, but this week, Sam and I kind of sat down earlier on in the week, and we decided that it was not best to go forward with this week um, with our traditional format. Um, because of everything that's kind of going on in our country that everybody I'm sure is very much aware of. Um, you know, it's been it's been a very tough week, I think, for for everybody. I think I speak for Sam myself and and most other people when I say it's a difficult time, especially um obviously for black people and not just America and across the entire world. And you know, we're kind of seeing a lot of things happen and a lot of different moving pieces to what's going on, um, both good and bad. I think it's so showing a lot of systematic um, issues that have been relevant for for quite a bit of time, uh, a very long time. And and while there is a lot of darkness in the world and negativity in the world, I think it is also kind of showing the power of people coming together and fighting for something good. And and while you know, while it is the cause of, of everything going on, obviously sort of being started with the George Floyd incident that really um, kicked off these protests, um, you know, having seen people unite and really take a stand for, for the right thing, um, that, that, that's been very inspiring to see. And, and you know, this, this podcast, Sam and I have said multiple times that we don't really like to get too political. Um, this is not political. This is just reality. Um, this is just the truth. And this, you know, if you don't like what Sam and I are going to talk about and say today, then you're not really welcome to listen to this podcast. I'm being completely honest with you. Right. Um, because, you know, this is this is all very serious stuff and it's all very tragic to see. And um, we, we, you know, we kind of re-geared the way that we're going to talk about movies in this episode we are going to still talk about movies but i think in a far more relevant way but um before we get into that sam i'll toss it to you do you have anything you want to add yeah i think <clears throat> i think you pretty much touched on everything we, I, I wanted to say essentially just you know how all these uh, circumstances that we're involved in right now kind of show what the reality of our world is and this isn't something that's like, like, like an isolated incident this is something that's been happening for decades now hundreds of years from now you know people have been fighting for their rights just to be living breathing human individuals and we've seen the systematic oppression of our government and the people within our own country and how they subjugate <clears throat> black people and how you know the stereotypes that have prevailed for so long and these policies that further subjugate these individuals to i mean it comes to a boiling point there's no way there's no rule book to say what you should and shouldn't do in regards to protesting you got to do what you can to make your voice heard and you know i'm all for what they're doing out there right now i don't have any criticisms in how people should protest you know if it's a peaceful protest if it's rioting it's looting out i i don't care as long as you make your voice heard because at this point this isn't a political issue it's more of a human rights issue and as raj said if you don't agree with what we're talking about with the black lives matter movement and um what's going on in the world and you stand on the opposite side of what most people are talking about right now i'm I just want to say just fuck off. Like, I don't want to hear your opinions on what people should do in regards to these situations. It's more of us educating ourselves in the best way that we can. You know, Google's free. Go out there and see what it is in the world and how reality has um, formed in a way of how it's subjugated African-Americans and black people, black people around the world. So, and then I think we're just going to use this time to hopefully educate not only ourselves but our listeners so that you know we could use 
art form as a way of education. So going forward, we're just going to talk about, you know, movies to watch and why we should watch these movies, movies not to watch and why you shouldn't watch these movies and the sort of prevailing uh, issues that are in the movie industry in regards to this issue. Yeah, you you said it best there, Sam, when you said make your voice heard, um, and that that's very much what our kind of goal was with this. Um, you know, I, I'm sure again I speak for for myself and Sam in saying that we we've tried our hardest to do what we can and be as much of allies as we can. Um, you know, whether it be signing petitions or donating or just you know posting stuff. You know, you you do what you can, and we do what we can to the best of our abilities. And when it came to the podcast, um, the best way that we thought we could make our voice beneficial to this entire conversation was to talk about how how we educated ourselves about Hollywood and cinema, you know, how that's kind of shaped our perception of the things that we watch, um, what in a good way as well as a bad way. Um, and then also, yeah, it's it's just it's just about staying informed and, and we just thought that we wanted to take this episode to talk about, you know, the stuff that that we've learned about the history of Hollywood, the sort of continuing systematic biases in the industry, as well as what we've used to to learn about a specific experience that we ourselves cannot necessarily be quite as familiar with, because it, it, I think everybody that was listening to this podcast knows that Sam and I are not black. So, so you know, our our perspective is coming from a certain point, and um, and we therefore should not be the definitive voices on this. What I guess Sam and I are hoping we can do with this episode of the podcast is be sort of a launching pad to you, um, talk to you guys about how we learned about a certain experience that was not our own, how what we took from it what we learned from it and hopefully that you guys can take that as a starting point and then build from there go out and read black voices listen to uh black artists fa filmmakers whatever it may be and, and like i said just use us a as a launching pad to go out and explore those other voices that are far more knowledgeable and far more relevant on, on this particular topic um but yeah let let's kind of get into it now and and i think it starts sam Obviously, we'll talk a little bit more generally here at the top of the episode. We'll get a little bit more specific in just a few minutes. But, you know, this this is obviously a, a systematic thing. It starts at a very high level with with representation, um, you know, going back as far as far back as Hollywood has been around. But it, it's, you know, it, it's the thing that that everybody discusses nowadays is it is just as relevant. It feels like today as it is back in the 50s and 60s and that that's you know that that's upsetting because while we talk about differing opportunities and giving you know black storytellers more opportunity to tell the stories that they want to tell they um they still don't really have that open door the way a lot of other people do in the industry and you know it goes down to um you know the, their whether or not like you know a lot of opportunities that they do have are playing these very stereotypical roles and, and telling stereotypical stories and, and it kind of paves a way i think to um even when Hollywood does take that route to try, quote unquote, quote unquote, I use try in quotes because it's, you know, it's not really a good hearted, good faith to try. I think in, in most cases, in some cases it surely is, but in most cases it's not to to sort of upend its past. I think it's still very much relevant and it, it sort of starts at the top because, you know, those opportunities are still not really there. And when they are there, there's a tight there's a tight constraint on them, whether it be, you know, micromanaging the filmmaker or ensuring that these actors can only play slaves or, or something along those lines. I think that it is, um, it, it's very systematic and it's a, and it's a huge problem and it, it just starts with representation before we sort of get into the specifics of, of it all. But what are your thoughts? 
Well, I mean, for in regard to what you were saying just now, I'm just thinking of how we could do more in regards to that aspect of movie making and how people just be micromanaged or, or are they shunted into doing like stereotypical roles or roles that we've seen countless times before. Like, I'm just trying to think of, you know, I mean, Lupita Nyong'o won for being a slave, Denzel Washington won for being a crooked cop, um, Herschel Ali won for being a drug dealer in Moonlight. I'm just thinking like, why can't we have black actors be in roles like Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting or in Francis McDormand in uh, Fargo? Like, why is it so difficult for um, story or filmmakers and storytellers in Hollywood as a whole to create art with black people that isn't tied to their and uh, tied to a, like a historical figure or tied to the black experience or tied to a stereotype. So there's a lot of work that needs to be done in that regard because um, there is art out there that portrays African-Americans and black people as individuals, but it's really sparse and few, far, few and far in between because, you know, for the most part, we are seeing the same, kind of role over and over again within Hollywood. Sometimes it would, we would get people being nominated for these, you know, individualistic roles, but then they never win for them. They're just kind of like a throwing, throwing, like a throwing them a bone saying, Hey, we see you for this role, but we're going to nominate or pick somebody else to win this particular award just because they're trying to, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just like, they're, they're not, they're not consciously realizing the kind of harm they're doing by only awarding these kind of kind of roles. But at this point, it's 2020. It's we're like 50, 60, 70 years removed from the civil rights movement. And we're still talking about how to make this aspect of uh, artistry more inclusive. Yeah, I think that it actually goes back to something that you talked about um, in, in your opening monologue at the top of this episode in that, um, you know, there are certain movies, specifically touching on that point that you talked about, where there are certain movies that are maybe not the best movies to be watching at this time. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of that, um, sometimes I think it's in good faith, sometimes I think it's not. And and I think that it extends to that in that I think a lot of, especially the older sort of generation of Hollywood, because I think a lot of people like to cite that as being the um, the biggest problem in the industry. And I, I don't think it's the biggest problem in the industry. I think the industry's problems are far more um, widespread. And, and I think that that's kind of coming to light even now. Um, but but I think that, you know, it's it's sort of if, if we're talking specifically about the Academy, for example, like it, it would be maybe the Academy's way to say, this is how we're going to recognize this issue. Mm -hmm. And some of them may just be naive to the point to assume that, um, that, that it is sort of the right stance to take. But I think that that, that sort of builds into this greater conversation that we wanted to have in, in, in this episode in that they're not properly informed about it. Mm -hmm. and, and there's a couple movies that, that are sort of on the table here. Um, one being a, a recent winner uh, a big winner in green book um being mm -hmm. the sort of you know the best picture winner best screenplay winner uh, obviously won mahershala an award but that that you know had its controversy i think sort of snowball as we got closer and closer to the oscars because and, and i'll come out and 
say I, I don't think the Green Book is is a bad movie. I think it's actually a particularly well made movie. I think it's well executed. Um, but when you sort of learn about the injustices that it took to make that get that movie made, like there was no sort of research into Doctor Shirley's family. Some of that mm-hmm. story was not entirely sh- true. Um, the the script itself was written by um, the Valalonga's son. Um, you know, one of the Valalonga sons was the writer on the film as well as a producer on it, and it was very much told from his own perspective. And I I think, you know, to an extent, and and again, people might certainly disagree with me because I I am not the expert on this, but I think to an extent, it was a little bit um, extreme to say that this movie was like, you know, its goal was to end racism. I don't think this movie's goal was to end racism, uh, but I do think that this movie made a very bad faith effort at trying to address racism in, in cinema by, you know, putting this this black figure who is a historically incredible figure in Dr. Shirley and putting him at the center and, you know, painting this guy who is a doctor and a talented, touted musician who can tour the world and, and do all these crazy things. Um, but it's told from the perspective of the white person and it's told from a perspective of a racist and trying to sort of redeem that racist before it's really giving us the proper information about the black figure that's actually at the heart of the film. Um, and I think that this sort of extends into broader issues that you sort of addressed in your in your opening opening monologue right i mean a couple of things um well with the with the roles that they're giving in hollywood in regards to the black people that they're taking them and portraying them on film um i i referenced the fact that you know they only portray uh, either historical figures stereotypes or people that um experience or, or people that show the black experience in america it kind of stagnates how we or other individuals in the in America or in the world view black people in America because they're more than just those three categories. But in regard to Green Book, uh, Green Book, I obviously saw it as a very problematic movie when I saw it. And not to say it was a bad movie, but there's very obvious, you know, points made and obvious themes in the movie that you could point out saying that you shouldn't be talking about these things or you should be portraying it in a different way because. You know that Peter Farrelly and uh, Nick Vallelonga did not do their research in regards to Dr. Don Shirley because, I don't know, I guess they just wanted to tell it from the perspective of the um, of Viggo Mortensen's character. And, you know, the family from Don Shirley obviously said that they came out and said that um, he, he was involved in like the African-American community. He was an activist. He was, you know... Um, he wasn't. He wasn't an involved individual. He wasn't somebody who was just like a introverted intellectual, as the, as he was portrayed in Green Book, and you know, um, most famously, uh, Nick Vallelonga and Peter Farrelly are, I think, either conservatives or pro-Trump individuals, and we saw that because people were are, uh, were uh, showing their tweets and stuff that they deleted because they wanted to have their campaign for their movie, and it kind of shows what their mindset was at the offset of creating this movie. And like, you know, these movies, this movie, the reason this movie is bad is because it kind of purports um, black stereotypes. Like you have Viggo Mortensen's character showing Mahershala Ali's character, how to be a black person. And, you know, saying that you're supposed to eat fried chicken and you're supposed to do this. and You're supposed to do that. You're not supposed to talk like a white person purporting or saying that, you know, black people don't have proper articulation and it's kind of pushing these stereotypes forward. And the fact that, you know, the huge narrative in Hollywood saying that we live in the post moonlight Hollywood. And, you know, that year I was a huge proponent, proponent of Roma winning that year. You know, I thought Roma was an incredible movie, a great homage to uh, Alfonso Cuaron's upbringing and, uh, you know, having Green Book there and having it win 
kind of tells black people in America and the black actors and, and black filmmakers and black creatives in Hollywood as a whole saying that there's still work to be done. There's still stuff that we can do to help educate these individuals. And, um, you know, I thought Green Book was going to be one of those movies that I would watch and just be like, oh, okay, I mean, that was a movie. I saw it. I, don't, I wouldn't think of anything of it past, uh, I think it was 28th and it came out past that point when I saw it. And then, you know, it came and it kind of snowballed into an it, snowballed into the point where it won the best picture and um you know a huge i I would say it's a huge stain in the modern historical uh oscars because of just how um damaging this movie could be and uh, there's other movies that the oscars has celebrated like uh the blind side being a white savior movie and a movie about white guilds um the help being a white savior movie and um you know a bunch of other movies that I can't come up to mind, but like those type of movies do more harm than good, even if their hearts are in the right place. You got to educate yourselves through the lens of a black storyteller to properly know what it's like to have these stories told so that it's more authentic and it comes from a, you know, more, more uh, realistic place. Yeah. Before we get into like the specifics about the black storytellers that we we've sort of used to learn from, um, I do kind of want to stay on this point about the Oscars and whatnot as well, um, because yeah, you you mentioned a movie, another movie that like you know similar similar feelings for myself that like a, a movie like The Help, a movie that I actually did um, did like when I when I first saw it and sort of learned about the racial implications of it after the fact, you know, the fact that it's directed by Tate Taylor, who's a white filmmaker, and it's written by a white author. It's based off a book that's written by a white author. And um, Viola Davis, uh, being one of the actresses in the movie, has come out and spoken against sort of having taken on that role. And while it was a critically recognized movie, I think it suffers from similar problems to Green Book. And, and, and I think, you know, it's it is just a major problem in that I think I think it's Hollywood trying to pat themselves on the back um, right. and maybe the Academy trying to pat themselves on the back. When, again, they're not really, really reading into the finer details of what they're watching, the stories that they're trying to um, you know, spread out into the public. And, and it does cause for greater issue because then, it, you know, it, if a movie like a Green Book wins a best picture and then everybody goes out and watches that movie and they think, oh, it's this feel good sort of anti-racism story it's really not because it's not coming from a truthful place and when Mm -hmm. it's not coming from a truthful place you're discounting the black experience the black storytellers the black filmmakers and all of that you're discounting all of that because you're putting this sort of false narrative in the minds of not just white people but just people in general like across you know the country the world whatever it may be and that that is a far greater problem and i'm just curious if you have any additional thoughts on that from an industry perspective or even from an oscars perspective well more from the perspective of what it does to moviegoers as a whole like if you see the fact that you're seeing white people save Black people is kind of saying that black people can't do anything without the help of white people, and that's damaging way more way more than people realize because it's kind of saying that you know black people are helpless, black people can't do these things, black people can't fight for their own rights as individuals without the help of white people, and that's and they and these movies being popular and people going out to watch these movies and get these ideas in their head and they try to insert themselves into conversations or into topics that don't concern them at all they're saying but what about me what, or what about this and what about it's not about that you gotta listen to what the black people are saying you gotta listen to what african-americans are saying about their experiences and we gotta help elevate what they say and how to you know how how they can help 
or how we can help them rather than us coming to their rescue because that's what these movies are doing. You're just saying that without white people, black people would still be, you know, in the same situations that were 100 years ago. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that 100 percent. And I think those are those are absolutely incredible points. Um, so, you know, to kind of get into some more of the crux of what we wanted to talk about here, I, I'll, I'll toss it to you first, actually. Um, I'm curious how, you know, what what role maybe movies and cinema and television played in sort of your your education on what it means to be black in America and that sort of experience and, and any other experience that you want to add that's relevant to the topic? Um, right. Well, I mean, I was born and raised in a family that's, you know, fortunately raised me to be uh, accepting of all individuals. So I wouldn't, didn't really say that I was educated through the lens of film. But, you know, I got to know more of the stories of like Jesse Jackson, MLK, uh, Rosa Parks, uh, Malcolm X through the lens of film and more in the perspective of how they were as individuals. But the one I wanted to um, highlight was Raoul Peck's I Am Not Your Negro based on James Baldwin's unfinished book called Remember This House on his relationship with uh, Medgar Evers, Martin Luther King, and Malcolm X after their assassinations. And the reason being I wanted to highlight that was because, you know, I just mentioned, you know, Malcolm X, Medgar Evers, Martin Luther King, Rosa Parks, uh, Frederick Douglass, you know, all these activists that we learned in school, but I never learned about James Baldwin. I didn't know who James Baldwin was up until that point. And, you know, watching this movie, kind of helped me realize how important this individual was in the, in the civil rights movement. And, you know, I, it kind of made me realize how much I didn't know and how I, I had to educate myself in regards to what these individuals or like these activists and back in the time that weren't talked about in school, how they were and what they did and, um, you know, how they, how they framed themselves within popular culture and how they helped push the messages of black rights and black independence and the plight of African-Americans within America. And, you know, James Baldwin, who's like an insanely articulate intellectual, he was at the forefront of all of this. He wrote stories, he wrote plays, he wrote novels. He, he was involved in all of these aspects. He was friends with Medgar Evers. He was friends with Martin Luther King. He was friends with Malcolm X. He was a part of every aspect of the civil rights movement. When he, and he passed, at the age, I believe, I think around 19, I think it's 1989 he began the book, he passed in 1989, and, you know, it kind of, I'm not, I'm not a huge book reader in the lighter, in the much lighter time, I'm not a huge book reader, but watching this movie, this documentary from 2017 called I Am Not Your Negro, uh, made me want to read his novels just to get more of a sense of his ideas and how he portrayed, um, you know, the civil rights movement and all that. Yeah, I am not your Negro is is an incredible watch. I believe it was 2016, right? If I'm not mistaken, you know, right. best uh, documentary nominee. Yeah, best best documentary nominee. Um, but on, on top of all that, it it is one of the most informative, I think, films. And we'll get into like sort of recommendations about things that we we recommend that you guys watch at at the end of this episode. But that is certainly, I think, one of the highlights from this entire list because it is these firsthand experiences, like you said, um, you know, written by one of the most intelligent and one of the most brilliant writers of all time. Mm -hmm. um, and James Baldwin, one of the most respected writers of all time, you know, despite skin color, that's not even part of the conversation. Like James Baldwin himself is just 
fact fact in point he is one of the most respected uh writers of, of all time and for it to come to from his perspective and his firsthand encounters like encounters like you mentioned with with these activists them being his friends and them informing him on their experience and how that sort of sort of shaped the way that he saw what they did and how they um impacted the world i think that this is this is certainly one of the most informative especially because it is a documentary so it is very much true to life um and you know i'll, I'll sort of talk about my, I, I agree similar to you in that I was ra luckily raised in a household that was open-minded and, and very much um, open to everything and everyone. And I, I'm very thankful for that because I, I don't quite know how I would how I would approach not being that way. At least that's what I like to think about myself. And I hope other people see that in me. Mm -hmm. um, but but I you know it is one thing to come you know myself from an indian household and i'll be i'll be completely frank i think a lot of indian people are particularly racist you know not just towards black people but just others in general i think indian people have this sort of sub this complex thing in their head that they think that they're superior to others mm -hmm. and that, that does you know and luckily i was not raised in a household that made me feel that way and i and i am very much thankful for that um but you know that that being the case and my family being indian i i was not necessarily while i was learning about these things in school i think the school even like the school system, the way that they approached it is very much limited. Um, you know, we're coming right off the heels of Watchmen um, in the mm -hmm. 1921, I believe it was, Tulsa Max Massacre. Um, and that, that was something I had no idea about. And the fact that I had to learn that from Watchmen, I, I think that that's a huge knock on the school system that we were not taught that in history, American history classes growing up. And, and mm -hmm. that, I think, is the importance of, of cinema and of art and telling these these stories that are essential to our lives because it opens these doors to these things that our country is still unwilling to accept. Um, and it is very much, it is very much coming. It's interesting actually, because Watchmen does not, uh, I think some of the writers on the show were, were black writers, but you know, it's coming from the mind of Damon Lindelof, who's not a black person for him to, to be a part of art. So articulately telling um, a narrative that, that very much handles race in a very important and very nuanced way. I think that that's very much impressive. But it does open the door to to these black storytellers who are not really given the opportunity to to write the American history books and teach these classes and give us this important information. And like, I, I, you know, it might be a cliched answer, but I, I know that you you certainly have some thoughts on it as well. I believe you rewatched it this week is Selma and that Selma was a very, very eye opening um experience for me. Um, like in my household, we we very much have a lot of respect, as I hope most other people do for Martin Luther King Jr. But my, you know, my brother was a, was a very big, um, I don't know if fan is the right word, but I'll, I'll use it. it. You know, he used to read a lot about Martin Luther King and Martin Luther King's ideology is something that my mother very much like sort of slammed into mind in my brother's head. And it's something that we grew up, you know, that, that was the one figure, the one prominent black figure in my household that we knew a lot about. Um, and when 2014 Selma came around, you know, that was right after high school. I, I still, you know, if, if I'm being completely honest, I, I considered myself immature. I considered myself unknowledgeable because again, like partly, you know, because of the school systems and not having learned about some of these situations, but also, you know, my own ignorance at the time. But, you know, mm -hmm. right. I, I very vividly remember in 2014 watching Selma and, you know, this is coming from Ava DuVernay, one of the most respected uh, directors working today. Um, and we'll talk about more of her stuff in just a few minutes because she's one of the most important storytellers that working today as well. Um, but I, I just so vividly remember this was the first time. And, you know, I, I had certainly gotten emotional in movies before, but the weight and the truth and, and the sad truth of so much of what we were being shown, like 
putting a spotlight on in Selma, like the harsh reality of the African-American experience when, when Martin Luther King Jr. was around. That was the first time that I was properly moved to tears by a film mm -hmm. because of just how emotional, how powerful, how heavy it was. And, and that, that, that experience will certainly stick with me because it was, it was Ava DuVernay really opening a door to me like showing me sort of what these storytellers can do if they're given the opportunity. And it was a very, very enlightening experience for me. Like David Oyelowo's performance, like it, it's not even a performance, it's a transformation. Right. He is right. like, I, the fact that he was not nominated for that is possibly the one of the greatest travesties of the Academy of all time. Cause that, you know, that's, that's a performance, not just of a decade, but that, that is certainly like a legendary all time performance. So, you mm -hmm. know, Sel Selma was kind of a very, very pivotal turning point for me because again, I, I, I was certainly familiar and I was raised in an environment that was very accepting, but this was a pivot pivotal turning point for me in that I became so much more aware of an experience that was not my own and tried to seek out from that point more stories like this from these storytellers who were telling these important stories. Right. Well, just uh, there's a lot of stuff I wanted to talk about with you since you're in the huge um, monologue you just gave. I wish I was taking notes. So for one, I learned Tulsa. <laughs> I actually learned Tulsa through social media. So just like I didn't learn it through the school system, wow. which is something that's, you know, an egregious mark on our schooling system. But, um, you know, same thing with uh, Selma. I saw Selma last night because obviously Warner Brothers did the a, a great thing where they made um the movie Selma and Just Mercy uh free on several subscription platforms. So we're gonna go yeah. we're gonna go into that list. We're gonna tell you where you can watch these movies. But I saw Selma last night and I agree with you. I mean David David Oyelowo in this movie is Martin Luther King. Like I was completely en encapsulated with his performance, and you know I was just absolutely entranced with how he brought to life this um individual this activist who died i didn't know at the age of 39 years old or or, or at least it was a fact that i forgot but at 39 he passed away and i can't even imagine losing my father at that age let alone one of the greatest um you know humane individuals of all time and you know that, that, that movie is just like fantastic and just to touch on this like i don't think a white person could direct a movie like selma the way ava duvernay did it in how in 2014 because she knows the experience she knows the story she's lived the story she knows these individuals and she can tell it in a way that white people just can't like i couldn't make a movie like that raj couldn't make a movie like that um you know it has to come from a black voice that way we know that we're getting the whole truth and we're getting it in an authentic manner but uh just, well, to, just to touch on this i just since i just spoke on it you know just mercy uh was a movie i took my mom to i don't really watch movies with my mother because i don't know she has a she has different tastes than i do but this is a movie that i really wanted to show her and uh she's in someone that cries easily like i get that from her like i don't cry at all during movies like i could count on my hands the amount of times i cried at a movie and uh she's one of those people or the reason why because she's a, she's a very strong woman and I, I'm, I'm glad she raised me the way she did but um i took her to watch this movie and she cried several times because of just how the portrayal of how these individuals were treated during that time. And uh, I'm blanking on the same, but the last time is Stevenson played by uh, Michael B. Jordan and, and the sequence with him and Robert Morgan's Brian. character. Brian, Brian Stevenson. Thank you. Um, with with his, with his with the Robert Morgan character when he's, um, um, I guess this is a spoiler, kind of close your ears for the next 10 seconds or whatever, but <laughs> when he's being sentenced into death row and he gets, you know, he, he gets the lethal injection, that entire sequence, like that, I think it's like a five minute, 10 minute scene. Um, you know, my mom just couldn't hold it in. It 
brought her to tears and that kind of tells you how powerful these stories are and um you know dustin daniel craig did a great job in uh making that movie with uh michael b jordan and um jamie fox who i believe you know were, were blackballed or not blackballed but we were kind of ignored by the by the cabinet awards this past february but you know there's a lot of movies out there that um kind of you know could bring to light to all these injustices and bring to light the individuals who take on these injustices and have won the fight the fight's still ongoing but it's important that we come to um educate ourselves through different avenues and film being one of them uh real quick for watchmen um there's another thing that i wanted to talk about with that i'm really i'm just really glad that they took or Damon Lindelof and his and his um, showrunners and the people who who were involved in the production of Watchmen on HBO made uh, Doctor Manhattan a black superhero mm-hmm. because more often than not we see people or, or all these superheroes just be white people like you know Iron Man, Captain America, Superman, Batman. These are fictional characters. Why can't they be black? So I'm really, really just glad that they they introduced that to a more wider audience and hopefully that kind of uh, that kind of trend continues forward because i mean they're fictional characters they're people who can fly who cares what color they are so kind of give representation to um these people within that avenue but i mean you know you can comment on that if you want no no definitely and i want to go back actually to a point that you made yeah certainly about like the the dr manhattan of it all because like not only is he you know he could be as a human he can take any form that he wants but like he's he's a blue man so like why why can't his skin color when he takes the form of a human be a black person i think that's perfectly acceptable it should be acceptable um it should be the norm if i'm being completely honest with you that it can just be anybody right and and yeah for them to to take that step and cast yeah uh, abdul mateen you know in a twist sort of in in that storyline as well I, i i very much uh very much admire Damon Lindelof for making that decision. But I, I kind of want to go back to a point that you made about Ava DuVernay and, and sort of what she brings to, to this, ex- what, what her experience brings to her ability to tell these stories and make these films. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I agree with you because I, I agree that she, you know, her, her sort of the stuff that we're going to talk about when we, when we get into like recommendations and whatnot, um, the stuff that she has done is certainly far above any of the other any almost any other filmmaker that I can think of that in telling that sort of specific experience through through her own eyes I think that she's done that better than anybody mm-hmm. but uh you know Daniel Destin uh I always mess up his name is Daniel Destin <laughs> Destin Daniel Cretton right. <laughs> um yes yeah, so what I think um you know him not being a a black uh, director and even his co-writer Andrew Lanham is not a black writer um, but they did you know they did adapt Brian Stevenson's book just by the same title Just Mercy and, and what I think it you know what it comes down to there he well Just Mercy I don't think is quite at the level of Selma I think mm-hmm. it, it is truly an exceptional exceptional film and I, I agree with you and how important it is it's, it's a movie that my parents also went to my parents go to the movie theater maybe once a year right. and this was like the movie that they chose to see in 2019 because they were like this is the one that seems like the one that we need to go see it's the one that'll be most informative to us and that was the one that they and they also came back and they like we cried and, and similar experience to, to what your mother had but i think what what it comes down to with with dustin daniel cretton being able to tell that story is his sort of willingness to to listen to brian stevenson and mm. to listen to those people who are being incarcerated wrongly in, in the film and their relatives and hear their stories out and understand their perspective and, and that i think is is you know, go, going back to this conversation about the industry, that that is, I think, a greater sort of problem 
about Hollywood and about the Academy, because I, I know you, you, you know, in our sort of conversations with one another, you talked about sort of the, the Academy. And this is an article I think that came out recently about them basically blackballing David Oyelowo because he, right. he was wearing the I Can't Breathe shirt. And I, I, just, I don't know if you had any other thoughts on that. Right. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about that real quick because there was something that came out this past week considering all the current events. There was a headline saying that Debbie Oyelo, along with the cast and director Ava DuVernay, who were wearing the I Can't Breathe t-shirts mm-hmm. uh, for the in respect or like in tribute for Eric Garner, who passed away because of pol- police brutality. Um, they were saying that, you know, they were trying to stir shit up. And then it's like, and like we're not going to vote for you guys because it's, quote unquote, not our place to do that. So, I mean, there's obvious a lot of, you know, a lot of reform. We've come a long way since then, but there's a lot of reform that we need to do within the academy. And there's no other way to do that but by, 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 you know, doing protests and bringing to light these these stories and these instances where people are being, you know, um, prejudiced against because of their skin color or because of their beliefs. But, uh, yeah, that was just something that I wanted to touch on because, I mean, that kind of – it's not a surprise, but it's very disappointing, and that's kind of a reason why I don't put so much, you know, weight onto the Oscars. Like, I enjoy watching it because it is the biggest night in movies and celebration of movies, but, you know, they do a lot of wrong decisions. You know, they, they, uh, they ignore some actors. They ignore some movies, sometimes, you know, unknowingly. But this is obviously, you know, they, they knew what they were doing. They even said it. And, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully they come up with a statement of some sort addressing this thing because, you know, it's 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 really disappointing to see an industry that I invest so much of my time into treat black people like this. Yeah, it's it's flat out disgusting like that. That, that should right. not be the case that they should be for for what they were standing for, especially above above all else. It, it's completely unacceptable. And I, I similar to you don't like to to rag on the academy i know that's sort of a popular thing to do to bag <laughs> on the oscars and make fun of the oscars and that that's not something that i like to do because i agree with you in that it is a celebration of filmmaking and that that's kind of what for me it is first and foremost but for them to come out and say something like that at, at, for a movie as impactful as selma um you know told by a black director with an incredible black lead performance that they that they, they end up did not nominating maybe because of that situation i think that's entirely unacceptable on the academy's part for whoever whoever decided to make that decision and you know for them to say it's not our place to do that like if they're not going to teach us this shit in school where else where else are we going to get it yeah we can get it from books but like books written by other people but like for some of us like you and me these these opportunities to tell these stories and voice these specific opinions it's essential because you, you know like like we're both saying we we were we were lucky to grow up in houses that were accepting but that doesn't necessarily mean that we were informed on all these different things because right. we just, we just didn't have the resources, we didn't have the access. And for for Ava DuVernay to give us the access to a story like that through Selma, or for Raoul Peck to give us the access to a story like that through I Am Not Your Negro, that if we're not going to get it in school, then we then cinema that that that's why it's important, and that's sort of the crux of this conversation. It's just that these stories, you know, they've played such a pivotal part in informing the way that we see the world around us and the way that I think Sam and I have perceived this entire situation. And, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't come down to, 
you know, taking a conservative or liberal or any anything like that at this point. It's it's the simple humanity of it all. It's the simple mm-hmm. right versus wrong of it all. And, and I can I can certainly say that without movies like Selma, without uh, TV shows like When They See Us, I would certainly not mm-hmm. have as informed a perspective as I feel like I have on the situations. And I, I myself still have a long way to go and have so much more research to do. And right. this, you know, this being an inciting incident in myself, as well as so many people around us, I, I'm just hoping that it becomes the norm. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. hoping that it becomes the norm that people are willing to stand up for this. It should not just be a thing for social media and for protests right now. It just needs to be the standard. And where I think that film comes into the situation is it having that visual medium, the emotional experience of seeing an actor like Jarell Jerome on the stand in, in the final episodes of When They See Us, voicing his opinion, talking about the situation that he's been, been in, the injustice that has been served to him, injustice that's been served to him, and, and how unfair it is to him just because of his skin color. Mm-hmm. And like the swelling of the music, <clears throat> Ava DuVernay's direction, the writing, the acting, all of that coming together in in the visual medium that is cinema, I don't think it could have quite hit me that same way if I hadn't experienced it in that way. And, and I think that, that that is why cinema can be an essential tool, an essential asset, an essential resource in this time. And like, you know, I've spoken about my, my basketball fandom on this podcast before. The NBA is, ju- they just announced this past week that they're getting ready to restart. We're still a little bit of ways away, July 31st. Um, but in you know in my saying that I hope this is something that continues, and I know that this is something that the basketball players will continue to stress because so many basketball players are black and they're they're speaking up online now, and and I, I've seen players come out and I and I don't you know I don't necessarily I don't I obviously don't condemn them and I don't necessarily disagree with them for saying you know maybe basketball is not necessarily what we need right now, mm-hmm. but where where I think the basketball is essential is it's again giving a person a black person with a significant platform and a significant voice the opportunity to go out there and do something and you know back going again back to 2014 when this was all going on um you know the Cavs I think were one of the leaders in doing this but a lot of other teams followed suit like the Lakers the Bulls um you know you see LeBron you see Kobe you see Derrick Rose you see these guys wearing I can't breathe shirts um sort of being part of the starting of that trend and they use that platform to to voice that that opinion and I think can probably inform a lot of people of that entire situation because you know even in 2014 maybe like not the way that it is today the news maybe wasn't even proper if i'm remembering correctly it wasn't even properly covering that entire Mm -hmm. situation so this was like the nba player's opportunity to stand up for that and and I don't I, I, I don't hope I know I know players like LeBron James are going to go out there and make a statement once the season starts might be a couple months down the road, but it'll be just as important then as it is now. And I think that 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 is what cinema does. You know, it, it told the Michael or Martin Luther King, um, the Selma told the Martin Luther King Jr. story, which happened, you know, back, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago. But it told it in 2014 when it was just as relevant at a time when a black man had just been brutally murdered by the police for no reason whatsoever and, and you know that that much i think is why this is all important um i'll, I'll give you the floor now to talk because i feel like i'm talking a lot <laughs> <laughs> well i mean yeah cinema essentially is just an extension or a mirror of our reality and uh, james baldwin put it best and uh, this is because i know this quote because of the movie i'm not your negro and he said that the story of the negro in america is the story of america and it's not a pretty story but it's it's, it's essential 
for us to tell these stories and to touch on Selma. You know, this is from the 1965 Selma March from Selma to Birmingham for the Voting Rights Act or for people to in the black people in the South to vote. And uh, it's insane how much that movie from depicting events from 1955 is so relevant now because we see back then that Mr. King, or Dr. King was a proponent of of nonviolent protesting. And we see that now where individuals are out on the streets throughout the entire world doing nonviolent protests. But the reason that these events turn violent is because of the police. But the police incite violence. The police, you know, have, you know, they show intimidation tactics, they have fear tactics, they're they're assaulting American citizens for their right to, you know, for for the freedom of speech. And we see that now in 2020 and we saw that back in 1955 and we also saw the fact that um there was a police officer who did kill an innocent black person in the movie of selma who did not face any repercussions at all because of the times it was back then but then mm -hmm. we fast forward 50 or um i'm sorry it's 1965 we fast forward 55 years later into 2020 and we're still getting the same situations the years change but our culture doesn't. And that's something that we need to, you know, continuously, you know, like this isn't a trend. Black Lives Matter is, is, is a humane movement and it isn't something that's going to go exactly. away in a week or a month or a year. Exactly. The, the, exactly. Like the stuff for like the, the busings that they did back in the civil rights movement that lasted 364 days. It was more than a year. These movements last months. They last decades. They, even if we have one victory, there's still another thing that we need to look into to fix. Um, you know, we have movies like the 13th, 13th, another Ava DuVernay documentary talking about how the 13th Amendment is essentially legalized slavery. And uh, it's something that we still have issues with today and, and how states and governments take advantage of the fact that um, black communities are over-policed. And that's the reason why there are so many black individuals who make up 40% of, um, of our prison population. And that's something that brought to light the fact that we still have a long way to go, even though we're 55 years move, removed from the Selma March and, you know, decades removed from the civil rights movement. There's still aspects of our life and aspects of our government and aspects of the way of our perception of, of, of each other and, and the African-American experience that still needs to be changed. And, mm -hmm. you know, even if um, George Floyd's uh, killers get convicted, which I hope they do. We still need to look into mm -hmm. Breonna Taylor's killers. We need still need to do, look into mm -hmm. Ahmaud Arbery's killers. The same with Trayvon Martin, mm -hmm. Tamir Rice, Sandra mm -hmm. Bland, a countless mm -hmm. amount of individuals. Philando Castile. I mean, these people still haven't received the justice that they so deserve. So even if we have this victory, hopefully coming up, we still need to look into the other aspects of our society that still have that haven't changed. And I'm seeing a trend now recently where. We live in Virginia. Raj and I live in like the like two hours away from where the capital of the Confederacy was in in Richmond. They have a huge statue. I don't know if you've been like you know I, I visited friends all the time at VCU and I, they had a mm -hmm. huge statue of uh, Robert E. Lee in the middle mm -hmm. of the of the of their city, and that's something mm -hmm. that was you know thankfully vandalized by the citizens of Richmond. You know that's something that shouldn't exist in our modern society like the confederacy wanted slaves they lost get over it we shouldn't have the like the confederate flag shouldn't be something that we should see 
in 2020. We should have monuments celebrating Jefferson Davis or Robert Lee or Stonewall Jackson. Like that's, you know, it's it's ridiculous that we're still even talking about this. You know, like those monuments were erected during Jim Crow in the 1890s to intimidate black people. Like that's the only there's they weren't there for celebration of history. They're there for the, like the subjugation and intimidation of black people. So the fact that they're still erect now obviously means that we still have a lot of work to do. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to know that there is legislation passed by our Virginia government that they're going to try to, you know, rename the Stonewall Jackson High School Manassas. They're going to take down the Robert E. Lee Monument. Thankfully, the Daughters of the Confederacy Museum was burned to the ground in Richmond during the protest. I'm really happy that happened. I don't give a shit at all about, you know, the Confederacy. Like, you know, those, like that was an era in our time where we saw black people as property. So the fact mm-hmm. that these monuments and these memorials are being vandalized, I'm saying, you know, keep doing it. I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm, 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 uh, I'm just saying, you know, you know, it's time for our voices to be heard. I'm going a huge tangent. I'm sorry, but I just wanted to talk about this. And no, uh, no, you're good. And you're good, uh, you're good. <laughs> I just wanted to say that what we're seeing now is something that should snowball to the point where we have an acceptable society to live in for every creed and color. Yeah, I no, I, I agree 100% with with the, everything that you just said, and I don't think that you're at fault at all for for going <laughs> off of that tangent because I think it's it's very much true. And um, you know, we we are approaching like the 50 minute mark, so I'm gonna go ahead and and start getting into our recommendations if that's cool with you because I I yeah. certainly think that people don't don't need to listen to us at this time, but we're just <laughs> we're just like I said, we're trying to be a launching pad, and there there are there are so many other important things that you should be doing. So I don't want to waste anybody else's time. And I want to kind of get into these recommendations, but I'll also just say in close, as you just said, um, continue, just keep doing it. Don't, don't let this stop, you know, in a week, in a month, when, whenever people stop protesting, it doesn't stop there. It, it does not stop there. This is, this is always it. And we have to continue to fight until there is a level of parity, a level of equality, a level of respect and support for those people that have, basically been the backbone of america um that have not been recognized to this point so mm-hmm. um, but l- l- yeah I'll, I'll go ahead and list off some of these movies that i have and i'm sure sam might have some additional ones as well but uh when they we we, we kind of rec- uh, referenced quite a few of these throughout the episode but when they see us which is ava duvernay's stunning incredible maybe my favorite thing that she's ever done actually right. um doc uh sorry t- television miniseries on netflix about the um now exonerated five um but but that that you know if there's anything that i wanted to say that first because that's the one of of all of these that i want to recommend the most out of this entire list but i think everybody should go watch this entire list um thir- 13th on netflix which you also mentioned um which is a documentary like you said about the injustices of of, of the police system and about america in general uh, just mercy which we talked about being brian stevenson's story um selma which we've talked about fruitvale station which is a uh, ryan coogler and michael b jordan's breakout um sorry i'm forgetting the name of the individual individual right now do you have it off the top of your head sam or yeah, do that, I need to that, one, that one was oscar grant yeah, Oscar Grant. Thank you. Thank you. So Oscar Grant, um, the, the unjust, unjustified shooting of Oscar Grant, um, that that's another one. You know, if I if I had to pick a number two off this list, that might be my number two, because that that is an absolutely stunning, incredible, angering movie because of just how how insane this story is. Um, Get Out, which everybody's sorry, Fruitvale Station can be found on 2B TV, which is basically a a free streaming service. You have to watch it with ads, but you can watch it for free. Otherwise, you can rent it. Uh, Get Out is also available for for rental. Um, if Beale Street Could Talk, Barry Jenkins' incredible film is available on Hulu. 
uh, do the right thing. I think you could recommend anything from Spike Lee's filmography from Peter <laughs> right. Redding all the way up yeah. to Black Klansman and now his next movie, The Five Bloods, is coming out this week. You know, right. the fact that the fact that this movie is coming out now, you know, we, we talk about how relevant this all is, but now even more so than it was a week ago, more relevant than ever for this movie to come out. And I think importantly so this movie's coming out, but do the right thing is available for rental. But uh, seek out anything that Spike Lee has made because it's all incredible and it's all sending a poignant message. Um, an underseen movie about like, you know, protests and unjustified shootings um, that I think is very, very relevant. That underseen movie that, that came out a couple of years ago, The Hate You Give. Mm-hmm. Um, this one I highly recommend. No, Nobody saw this movie, and I'm, I'm very sad that nobody saw this movie because I thought this was actually one of the better movies of, I believe it was 2017 or 2018, what, whatever year it was, it was one of the better movies that came out that year. Um, that's available for rental, or sorry, for streaming on Cinemax, and you can rent it as well. Um, as, as Sam mentioned, I'm Not Your Negro, available on Amazon Prime. Uh, let the fire burn this is a documentary actually I, the the director of this documentary was my professor in college i took a course on documentary filmmaking um this is a story about um escalating tensions between a um, african-american group and um, police in philadelphia this is an incredible documentary available on canopy which i believe is also a str- free streaming service i believe if you have a library uh membership uh watchman which we talked about and then i also just wanted to say the criterion channel has removed their subscription fees on a lot of their black filmmaker spotlights so go criterion channel check out some classics by and important stories by black storytellers um did you have anything else that you wanted to add or anything that you wanted to touch on from the list that i just mentioned yeah really quick I, we didn't mention the fact that how stacked Selma is, like the stacked cast, like you have David Ayolo, you have Oprah Winfrey, you have Lakeith Stanfield, you have Andre Holland. I mean, it's an incredible cast, but yeah, Selma's one of them I had on my list, 13th, When They See Us. I mean, you know, uh, I'm going to name drop here. I apologize if this seems kind of shitty of me, but I actually met uh, Jarrell Jerome at my brother's <laughs> military graduation. His cousins were graduating with the same class as my brother, and like this very, you know, uh enclosed ceremony back in back last year actually and before when they see us came out i got the chance to speak with him and he's a very genuine awesome individual like i talked and he was like i was like dude like i loved you in moonlight and when you were cast in like ava duvernay's next project like i knew you were gonna knock it out of the park and i'm so glad that he got the the um the emmy for that his performance he's just a really genuine and incredible dude i'm hoping in the future we get to see him as miles morales because he is of mixed heritage with a uh, african-american <laughs> latino heritage the same as uh, miles morales's but i'm going off on a tangent spike lee obviously <laughs> do the right thing black Klansman, malcolm x is on netflix right now um that year uh it was between denzel washington and al, al pacino and most oscar historians or c- cinephiles like me and raj not me and raj but like the general community would say that that was Denzel's to win and they didn't want Al Pacino to win that one. Me personally, I love both performances, but because of the importance of Malcolm X and Denzel's portrayal of him and his story, I wish he did win that award, but he was nominated for as Malcolm X. Um, mentioned Barry Jenkins, you know, Moonlight is on Netflix. Moonlight is an incredible story. I mean, I can't, I own it on, on a 4k and I haven't, I've watched it several times already. It's like one of those movies that's, that's kind of shaped me as a moviegoer. And I just love that movie to pieces. It's like one of the greatest movies I've ever seen in my life. Um, you know, I Am Not Your Negro, Just Mercy, Mudbound on Netflix, another D, D. Reese, a uh, black storyteller telling the story of uh, sharecropping and uh, the experiences back then with African-American individuals and how the dynamic between white people and black people back then were. Um, and I think it's uh, the actor Jay Mitchell who played Easy e and Straight Outta Compton is in that movie. 
movie, one of the main characters, and uh, Mary J. Blas is in that movie as well, so that's a good one you should go check out. Uh, Fences, you can rent it for $3 on, on Amazon Prime with uh, another Denzel Washington and the Viola Davis movie. It's incredible. You know, it's it's an acting masterclass, and, uh, and the fact that they could memorize all these lines uh, it's just it's just insane to me. But these are very talented actors, so it shouldn't be that surprising. Um, Twelve Years a Slave, you know, Steve McQueen with uh, Lupita Nyong'o and um, Chiwetel Ejiofor telling the story of a wrongly enslaved free black man and how he was a slave for 12 years you know starring michael fassbender and like uh, another oscar darling uh something a movie that we should all watch just to see the injustices and the grotesque nature of slavery and i mean the movie's incredible uh you mentioned jordan peele us and get out are both great movies i just want to reiterate do not watch the help do not watch the blind side do not watch green book do not watch tyler perry movies tyler perry movies <laughs> Uh, thankfully to my friend Taylor, who told me about this, they have a modern socio-historical, they, they modernize socio-historical tropes like the Mammy um, trope, the Jezebel trope, the welfare queen trope, and they're just like, they do more harm than good. So don't watch Tyler Perry movies. Um, there's a lot out there that I haven't seen myself, like Raj mentioned, When They See Us, go watch that. I mean, like, you know, go watch some movies from historical actors like uh, Sidney Poitier and Harry Belafonte. Um you know, there's there's a lot there's a lot of movies, there's a lot of books, there's a lot of literature and artistry that we should all desensitize ourselves to just so we could get more education in regards to the African American plight. And I encourage everybody who's listening to this to go out of your way and, you know, rent these movies, go go to these subscription services and watch these movies and, you know, have these conversations with people who are on your side and people who aren't on your side or people who aren't educated enough so that we can better ourselves as a society. Because at this point, um, I don't know how we could continue onward if uh, like like a, a, gr- a good majority of our population is being subjugated because of just of the color of their skin. So, you know, go out there and educate yourself, go watch these movies and, you know, just continue on the conversation and, you know, Black Lives Matter. Yeah, do can do continue to watch or watch all these movies you know as, as many as you can I, I highly suggest watching all of them if you're able to but like sam said keep reading um you know if you're out there fighting on the front lines if you're protesting um keep doing that if you're if you're tweeting links whatever it may be if you're hashtagging black lives <clears throat> matter continue to do that fight in whatever way you can for what is right and, and as i've said multiple times here already i'm gonna say it again because i want to make sure it's understood don't stop here keep it going keep it going forever don't just stop here all right i I, that's that's the point that i don't think is stressed enough that i want to be stressed more because this is not this is not a trend thing that's now this is this is not some yeah it's not a trend it's not a trend it's been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years and it's going to continue to go on unless we raise our voices now and put an end to it um and you know we'll, we'll put the links or the names of all these movies as well in the description as well as links to where you can find them to stream if they're available on things like netflix or for free on amazon or whatever it may be uh, additionally we'll also put some resources as well like petitions and places that you can donate in our episode description as well so i'm um, just keep an eye out for that description and and like we've been saying just watch these movies continue to inform yourself and um we will be back next week 